Hello, and welcome to the Respite Podcast. Our culture is so frantic and hurried, and as a result, it's easy to get caught up in our own thoughts, becoming very self-focused. Our goal with this podcast is to provide a time where we can get our eyes off of ourselves and hear someone else's story while providing a respite amidst the rush of modern society. In this episode, I am joined by George Huff in a discussion on the classic and controversial role-playing game, Dungeons & Dragons. So today we're going to be talking about uh, the board game Dungeons & Dragons. Yes, uh, Dungeons & Dragons, uh, for those in the audience who don't know, uh, I'll just kind of summarize D&D for you guys. Um, Basically, think of it as improv with rules. Um, Each player uh, controls a single character of a certain class, like fighter, cleric, rogue, uh, think like medieval-type fantasy-esque, Lord of the Rings, C.S. Lewis. Uh, That's kind of the vibe with Dungeons & Dragons. There's other versions of it, like there's a Star Wars version. Uh, I think there's another version as well, but uh, Dungeons & Dragons is mostly the the fantasy-esque, and it's essentially improv with rules. Yeah, Yeah, so how, George, how did you originally come across it? It was my, I believe, my sophomore year in college. and like most Christians, when you hear Dungeons and Dragons, at least I, I did, when I heard it from a friend of mine, I was a little wary at first, to be honest. Uh, I grew up thinking that uh, Pokemon was evil, Harry Potter was evil, and Dungeons and Dragons especially was evil. Uh, so when I first heard it, I was a little shocked that one of my Christian friends uh, was even asking me to play Dungeons and Dragons. Um, but he said, hey, he assured me that it was safe and that it wasn't demonic or uh, part of the occult. And I joined. I joined a session just to try it out. Um, and I fell in love. I fell in love with the game and the fellowship that came with it. Yeah, for uh, just to provide some context, uh, we go to a Christian school. We're here at, we're recording this currently in Columbia International University. Um They do not sponsor this. They're not involved whatsoever with the making of this podcast. But we we are students here on campus. Uh, George is graduating. I'm a a first-year sophomore here. And um, we have various uh, Dungeons & Dragons groups that get together. We don't have a club or anything. They're just informal, student-led. And George here runs one of them. Yes. Uh, We call it uh, Dungeon Master. And essentially... Uh, the dungeon master's role in the game is to basically world build. So he's the one, or she, is the one who creates the world for the players to interact in. They control all the townspeople of the, the town. They control the monsters that the, the players may fight. Uh, they control the overarching story, in a sense. And the players interact with that story, but the DM is the one who determines uh, kind of where the direction the story goes. So you mentioned earlier that um, you grew up thinking that D&D was demonic. Why, what are some of the apprehensions uh, you had before playing it, and then how did you realize that it wasn't actually demonic going into it? Well, uh, with, with Dungeons & Dragons, uh, with anything, uh, it depends on how you play it. Uh, there's a lot of... Um, with the, it's basically it's our imagination. So if you have players that are into the occult, that's what's going to show up in the campaign. As a dungeon master, um, I control the game. So uh, I when I when I started my session with um, with friends of mine, I 
we have this thing called session zero. It's when you kind of make boundaries like, hey, we're not going to have any demonic stuff in this campaign. Um, we're not going to even talk about that kind of stuff. Um, it just kind of sets ground rules because it's your imagination. Like with it, I don't know if you've been to an improv show, but essentially if you don't have rules with that, it's it can go anywhere, any direction. It depends on the players. Um, so setting boundaries like that is good with anything, with life in general. I mean, if you're writing a story, uh, you can include demonic stuff or you can't. And for my campaign and a lot of other campaigns, uh, Christians especially, uh, would choose not to include that kind of stuff. Um, but coming into D&D, uh, I, I don't know, I, I didn't really know what it was. Um, I, my, um, the Christians who told me it was bad didn't really know what it was either, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, that, that, there was that, that hesitancy though um, because I just assumed it was demonic and stuff. But it can be really beneficial, I've found, is there's people I would heart, probably never hang out with on a regular basis if it wasn't for D&D. Um, and the fellowship aspect of it is just extraordinary. And I, I wish more Christians would get involved with it. Uh, it's one of those things that brings people together. Um, and at the end of it, when you're, you're out of the game and you have those conversations where you're walking down the street with your friends and you're like, I can't believe that happened. And it's, it's just this bridge that brings uh, people together that are, um, I've, I've, have, I've had athletes in my, in my group. I've had nerds. I've had, you know, just this, this diverse group of people that unify under creating a story. Um, so that's, that's why, that's why I, I love D&D and that's why I play it. So you you mentioned that the community comes the community that can be made through D and D. What why do you think it is that story draws people together? That's a good question. Um, I think story is everywhere. Um, that's why we read books. That's why we go to the movies. Um, is this aspect of story? We we want to be able to, and I think it's because we want to be able to see ourselves in the story, or at least betray a part of ourselves in a story. Um, I've read uh, many books on on creating a story. When I was prepping to be a DM, I wanted to figure out how do you create the perfect story, and it's actually quite extraordinary if you if you look at the like what makes a great story. It actually follows um, Jesus's story really really closely in a lot of ways, like the whole structure of story, um, where there's there's this time of peace, and then after that time of peace, there's something that happens that destroys that peace and then there there's um there's a hero that comes out of it and we all we all look for that everywhere you know um whether it's thor of the rings we want to see frodo destroy the ring or uh c.s lewis we want to see uh the narnians uh take back their kingdom from the the white witch and there's there's story everywhere even our own lives you know it's um different parts of our story whether it's uh you know, like I grew up overseas, so that that's a part of my story, and um, that's why um, in in sharing the gospel, even that's why we usually share our testimony because it 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 it's more effective than just um, sharing anything else. It's it's something that people can kind of latch onto, and I think that's why it's people love story and people love playing D anD. d so how do you incorporate um, peace into the opening of your campaign? Uh, you mentioned that it's a foundational part of a story. So how do you incorporate that into a game that's 
primarily focused on adventure and wars and battles and stuff like that? Uh, it's it's very hard to incorporate peace um, sometimes, but usually campaigns enter. They start off with. Um, the players kind of meeting. That's kind of like the first session is the players are coming from different points in the world. Um, we might have someone playing a dwarf and they might be coming from the mines. We might have someone playing an elf coming from the elven kingdoms in the north or south or whatever. Um, and they're all coming together. Usually they meet on the road, on a wagon or something like that. They um, And there's usually this, this time of like conversation and just kind of getting to know each other's characters. Um, or sometimes maybe it's the town itself. Um, for instance, in my campaign, um, the town of Saltmarsh, which is in uh, kind of world building, I created this empire called Keeland, and Saltmarsh was one of the towns in that empire. And the main villain is basically trying to destroy the world. He's, his goal is conquest. Um, but I started off with the town being peaceful and uh, the players coming into the, that town and interacting with it, seeing how it was at the beginning and then seeing how it is now um, is how I incorporate peace. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, so how frequently do you play it and how do you play it in particular? What differentiates your campaign from other people's? Um, I usually play it depending on, you know, the semester hits and you got a lot of finals and stuff. Uh, usually... Uh, if I can, I play once a week, but uh, that, of course, there's sometimes it's every other week or something like that. And usually it's one session where we, we, talk, we do one part of that story. Um, and Dungeon Masters, they can all play their campaign differently. It's their world, so um, they determine the rules. But usually there's some set rules that um, the people who main D&D give us to use. Um, but rules being, um, so if, I'll, I'll just do a quick like you, you see it. You see a door, a locked door in front of you, in the side of a mountain, and behind you is a swamp, uh, a pond or something. And then I say, "It's it's your turn. What do you want to do?" And I ask the players what they want to do. Uh, DMs do it differently, but usually it's I create the setting, you interact with that setting. And if they they may say, "I want to check the door for traps," and then I say, "Roll investigation." So they would roll um, what we call a d20 or a twenty sided dice to see how successful they were in discovering traps. Um, and that would be an investigation role, which is attached to their character. So when you create your character for D&D, you determine if they're like, what their class is, are they mostly using swords or archery, are they a wizard? Um, and then they have stats basically that um, determine how successful they are in certain areas. So a thief might be really good at, uh, if they're like, a, if they have experience uh, on the streets, they might know how to detect traps. Or if they're a, a blacksmith, they might know how to, like it, their backstory as a character determines how successful they are. Uh, and they would roll a d20. And then once I hear their roll, I would have, so if I ask you to roll for, tra to discover traps, I would say roll a d20. And then I would have a number in my head um, if they roll this number, they would be able to discover traps. So if they roll 15 and they roll 14, I'll be like, you you dis you look through the door and you really can't see traps. You don't think there's traps, but there still may be traps. Uh, however, if they roll a one, that's basically a, a, a critical fail, which means they're going in blindly and their characters, they have to portray that. Um, they're going in naive. They're thinking there's no traps whatsoever. And then they walk in and they get caught in a trap. 
if they roll a 20, which is the highest you can roll, no matter what they're doing, they have success on that roll. So they would immediately discover the traps and immediately know how to um, disarm the traps. Um, so that's basically how I do my campaign, but different DMs have different ways of doing it. Okay. So how do you think D&D has impacted the community around you? You've mentioned earlier at the beginning of the, uh, how you've, been, you've seen it grow your community around you and you've been able to meet a lot of new people, but how do you actively include new people into your uh, growing community and how have you seen it in particular grow your community at large? Um, usually, uh, uh, when you're having a campaign, usually you know about all the other campaigns going on. And there's these times where um, different campaigns are at the same table during the lunchroom and you're just kind of like sharing stories, you know, like you would sharing your own story, you know, and just kind of like, oh, this happened in our campaign. I was just talking to someone the other day and they were like, you, did you hear about what happened last time? And that, I love those moments because I get to hear yeah. about, uh, like, if Alex, if you were in a campaign, I, I would be able to hear about what you're doing with your characters and vice versa, you know. And that's, it's just really unifying the sharing of stories. And stories is kind of the string that help, holds humanity together in a lot of ways. And it, it's, it's just easy to share um, and it's easy to connect with. So, Okay. So how do you think we can relate? Like, could you see it being useful in an evangelistic sense? You've mentioned it before, but like, could you further expound upon that? I absolutely think it could. Um, there's there's a lot of uh, communities out there that are unreached. I don't know if you've ever been to, there's some game stores in town which have these massive places where you can play D&D. Um, and meet people. And usually the, the community there is really welcoming. Like, hey, I, I love Dini. Can I mind, mind if I play with you? Um, and those opportunities just to kind of step into the to step into their story as your own character. And I, I feel like that's a really easy way to connect. And in a lot of ways, like with C.S. Lewis, for instance, Narnia is a great contextual form of the gospel. Um, Aslan being kind of the... Uh, uh, you know, like, there, I, I'm not an expert on C.S. Lewis. You probably would be able to tell me more. But uh, C.S. Lewis was a Christian, uh, and he wrote a lot of the Narnia series with that basis. And it's a really interesting way to contextualize the gospel. And you could do the same with D&D. Um, even portraying evil and good and seeing that difference is, is really cool. So, Yeah. So beforehand, we talked about, um, before the podcast, you mentioned that you had an article to share. Would you mind sharing that with us now? Sure. Uh, it's it's written by uh, a Christian, uh, I think a pastor actually, who who plays D and D with um, some of his uh, uh, people in his church, and it's it's a Christian defense of Dungeons and Dragons. It's a really cool article. I'm sure if you want to share it on your podcast, uh, yeah. I actually know a lot of. Um, students that are in the, the that are getting their masters in bible like read the article and they're like wow that's that's a really solid um you know defense of dungeons and dragons but it, it does address a lot of the things that you know like uh, a lot of the history of dungeons and dragons and how did it get that stigma of it being evil you know um 
And it, if you want to hear more about like the history of it and see like how I got that um, that image, it's a really good article for that. And I'm sure you can tag it in your description. Yeah, uh, it'll be it'll be linked in the description of yeah. the show. And it, it just talks about like basics and backgrounds of the game. Uh, if you're curious, maybe you you, you want to get involved in Dungeons and Dragons. It's a really good article to kind of um, look over. Uh, I know I was really wary when I got into D and D, but uh, it it really helps. So. Okay. How would you recommend that if for people who are looking to join D&D, how would you recommend they do that? Um usually uh there's usually the the people who are in D&D are are um you know like that you just have to find a dungeon master that's willing to take you so just make friends with that those kind of groups and I'm sure they would eventually invite you into it. Uh however, most Dungeons and Dragons uh, campaigns usually um, cap at five players because it gets a little overwhelming when you have like seven people acting at once. Um, but it all depends on the DM. Uh, I've seen sessions where uh, there's like six or seven. Uh, I've been a part of that, some of those, so it, it works. And it uh, it all depends on the DM. Uh, just get to know your fellow DM in your community. Uh, I'm sure they would love to talk to you or maybe even uh, if they don't have room in their session, like kind of lead you to someone else that might. Um and also, it's a time commitment. It's a huge time commitment. You're creating a story. Uh, you're basically writing a book. And being able to set, have a set day every week to kind of just relax and improv and role play your character, uh, it's, it, it can be a time commitment. So um, look at your calendar before you decide to commit to anything like that. So. Okay, you mentioned, um, so I know for a fact that you're an MK from Japan, a missionary kid from Japan. How has um, TND helped you like move, embrace American culture and like move back over here? Or would you say it has? That's a good question. Um, I, I think it, it, I've only played two characters uh, in two other campaigns that have been mine. Um, and kind of being able to, uh, it's a way to express yourself, kind of channel yourself, because usually people create their characters off of themselves. Um, so being able to kind of uh, express yourself in that way in a kind of improv type scenario is really, I think, therapeutic in a way. Um, I've seen, like, it gets emotional too. Like your, uh, your character, you know, you, it's you create this character and you've you've been through journeys with this character. It's almost like uh, a friend in a sense, in a hyperbolic sense, um, and it, it helps with a lot of stuff and reconnecting. Like sometimes you you create your backstory when you create your character, like where they're from, um, what what they've journeys behind behind before the campaign, and some players create their backstory with similar backstory to their own life, and being able to kind of journey beyond that is, is just really cool. So. Sweet. Well, as we come to like bring this episode to a close, it's it's a little bit shorter of an episode. Um, but how do you find rest? Um, be it playing D and D or some other form of finding rest. You're a business student. You go to college full time. It's gradually coming to a close. But how do you personally find like? just a re- restoration period in your life? I think it's it's really, I, I would say D&D can be rest. 
um, occasionally. It's it's a way to kind of just hang out with friends and play a game that you all enjoy. Uh, I would say I rest in a lot of different ways, but I think my biggest way to rest is just kind of uh, disconnect for an hour a day and just kind of um, focus on myself and my relationship with God. Uh, uh, reading is a great way to do that as well as I love taking walks, listening to music. Um, it's one of my favorite things to do and just kind of uh, have introvert time because I'm a huge introvert. Uh, people don't think that sometimes about me, but I, I love, I need time by myself and ways to do that is taking walks, listening to music and just kind of resting my room. Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much, Alex. Appreciate you.